Welcome to Steam Powered Scoundrels, a Malifaux podcast, episode 15 Spoonman. You know, like, the idea was to get people to actually come up and come back to the bar and killing them counterproductive. Oh, no, the best part is uh, the bartender doesn't even tell you which one's alcoholic and which one's non-alcoholic, and you keep forgetting, so you have to ask every time. Because that's the thing people are most concerned about, not the broken glass. And we can take the glass out, I guess. Hey, welcome to Steam-Powered Scoundrels. <laughs> Oh man, now I'm doing it. I got Kyle doing it, and now I'm doing it. Great. Welcome to Steam Powered Scoundrels. I'm your host, Doug, as always. With me are two, uh, well, one of them's uh, called Throwback to Way Back in the Day, and the other one is Brand Spankin' New. First up, uh, you've heard him before. He likes to die and then get resurrected just for this podcast. And since the last time he's been on, he has had a baby. So everyone, welcome the walking dad himself, Dave Hoffman. I have spawned. Yay! And our new guy who's being very brave and coming onto this podcast despite not really understanding how computers work. It is Eric Woodward, who I hear is the inventor of Sriracha Mountain Dew. Thank you very much for that, Eric. Sriracha Mountain Dew, exactly, yeah. It's uh, the spicy fermented Mountain Dew. (laughs) Okay, so I was listening to a podcast you may have heard of called Skins and Stouts, and they did an episode about my last tournament I ran back in September. And I was all like, hey, you know what? I could talk about that, and I have insight and stuff because I ran the dang thing. And someone didn't invite me on onto a special podcast to talk about it, so I'm going to have my own. And it's going to be a thousand times better. <laughs> something, something. How, how does the bender line go? I need, I need help. Uh, uh, blackjack and hookers. Blackjack and hookers, all right. Blackjack and hookers. Yes, blackjack and hookers. Possibly another name for this. So we have Doug, who ran the tournament. Hi, Victoria. Hello. We have Victoria eavesdropping in on this conversation, despite only being able to hear me. And we have Dave and Eric, who are our spoonmen for the uh, tournament. And what I mean my spoonmen is I ran the... Okay, here, let's, let's, let's talk about how we run tournaments in Iowa. Before I get into why these men are spoonmen, let me describe how tournament works in Malifaux. I mean, in Iowa. I guess it could work in Malifaux. I can claim that. This is how tournaments work in Malifaux now. And so, we have a point system to can kind of build up and up to an amount, and the person with the most points gets, you know, the top prize. But, you know, alongside of that, you're not running a normal tournament. So, there are points for pre-registering, points for playing with a fully painted crew, points for uh, placement in painting, and points for placement overall in the tournament. And so, you know, those get combined up, and then the you know, top person will get the top prize, but also the first, second, and third placement in the tournament itself will get uh, trophies. And usually they're relatively close. Uh, I think mo- for most cases, the person who places first in the tournament is also the guy who places first in the points. So uh, it's usually not going to completely throw things off, but every once in a while there's a bit of an upset. So anyways, we had 11 players show up. And that's an odd number. So I had to play ringer whilst also running the tournament. So we had 12 players and I was playing. And um, I think the traditional idea of what a ringer is is that there's a person that's not really supposed to take the game seriously. 
and um, we'll just let the score play out as it is, and it's kind of supposed to lose. And I don't, I don't like doing that because ringers traditionally will play the person on the bottom, and I don't think anyone really wants to be babied like that, or at least <sighs> kind of digging myself a hole here. I think people want to play an actual real game, even if they're having a bad day on the tournament. So I just played seriously like I normally do. And if I win as a ringer, instead of my score being more than theirs, theirs is brought up to count as a tie for with me. And so that way, if I beat someone, they're not going to constantly be on the bottom of the tournament standings, and I don't have to fiddle with it nearly as much. But because of that, that kind of screws up the placements a little bit. And in this case, because Dave Hoffman didn't play that bad, he ended up getting Wooden Spoon. I played just well enough to get last. You played just well enough not to play me, so you were never guaranteed that tie. Whereas I played, I played worse than Dave, and yeah. I did better than him. Yes. Uh, and I went back and did the numbers after the fact, and Eric, in fact, is the true Spoon. So I brought both Spoon Men oh. onto this podcast. <laughs> Surprise. To talk about how they played, because you know what, uh, Kyle and Brian are really good players, and they know a lot of stuff about the game, but you know what, sometimes the players that aren't on the podium have their own insights and their own things to learn, and probably have uh, some interesting things to say that uh, the advanced guys uh, will just gloss over, or... Yeah, I completely lost it. I just wanted to have these cool cats on the podcast and say, hey, you know what, just because you had a bad tournament doesn't mean you don't deserve to talk about your experiences and have people learn from them, right? Oh, of course. Yeah, this yeah. is... Okay, yeah. This, this is where you agree with me. Sorry, I had to hit the button. It's okay. Alright, so, as I said before, I ran the tournament, kind of gave you a rundown of uh, how we do the scoring system uh, for prizes. It's strictly for prizes, as I said before. I'm not gonna... If a person upsets the first place guy and has more points than him, he's still not getting reported to the tour as, like, the first placement. That's 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 not what I'm doing here. But um, a fun little thing that happened to me two days before the uh, tournament is I really hurt my ankle. Like, a really nice, nasty sprain, and I couldn't walk for a day. And so uh, I had to run this tournament, do all of the uh, the paperwork and judgment and stuff, and also play on a bum ankle, so... Please pity me, Internet. I pity you. As, as much as possible. I didn't play you, so I can't pity you. Oh, uh, fair. But um thing I decided I want to do, and you guys will have more input later, but I'm just sort of talking about running the tournament, because, hey, you know, not a lot of people talk about running tournaments, I don't think, or at least they skip over that to talk about uh, games played and all that fun meta stuff. So I'm going to talk about running this stinking tournament. First up, uh, we have been graced with a lot of out-of-town folks that uh, like to come and visit us and play with us, so I really appreciate all of you that came to the tournament and the one I ran before that, because these would be considerably smaller if it wasn't for you guys. Thank you very much. But day of, I decided to do a lot of extra credit, and I asked all of the tournament players to record their crews for me. Um, we hand out slips of paper to record uh, schemes and strategies and points and all that, and I was like, hey, there's plenty of room on the back of this, so just everyone fill out your crew, please, 
And um, everyone complied, and they're very, very nice. And I'm really happy they did, because this is a lot more information than most people are used to. Now, we do have the schemes and strategies breakdown. We also have uh, all the crews and as many upgrades as I knew that they took. A lot of people marked down their upgrades. I think a few people didn't. But all in all, the, the data is pretty sound. So um, I'll go ahead and post a link to the Google Doc where all this is located. If anyone that's curious and didn't see my post in a weird place on the day of. But uh, thank goodness for this, because I think you two guys probably don't remember quite a whole ton, because it was a few weeks ago. I know bits and pieces. I remember a little. Yeah, and uh, this might have come out a little bit earlier, but I then had a child the Wednesday after the tournament. Um, Whoa, okay. Congrats. What? No, What? I mean, technically, she had the child. Yeah, technically, she had the child. All right, fine. Only that to be about you, jeez. So that's kind of put a wrench in things. I mean, this we haven't published a podcast in a while to begin with because uh, kind of been focusing on baby stuff. But we'll get this out. We finally finished the Bayou episode, despite it being really, really cursed. So uh, yeah, more steam-powered scoundrels coming down the pipe. So, um, that was kind of the few things I wanted to say about the tournament. The nice thing about it is every, at this point, everyone's pretty knowledgeable about the rules, didn't have to answer nearly as many questions. I think most of the questions I answered were in my own games. I guess the one bad thing is since I'm still, you know, got to run around and do things, is that I didn't have quite as much time as everyone else to actually play the game, so I think all of my games went to turn three, and that was it. For two-hour-long rounds, that's that's not the best showing, but I did okay. Um, I, th- I think you did well. Yeah, I think I did well. I don't want to like toot my own horn on this because I, I'm afraid that like I didn't do a good job and everyone's just being really nice to me. No, but, I, I had a great time. It's better than any uh, Yu-Gi-Oh tournament I've ever been part of. <laughs> <laughs> I can add that to my acolytes. Doug Roman runs a better tournament than Yu-Gi-Oh. yu oh Yay. But um thank goodness for Kyle Bodie and his uh terrain, otherwise I would I I am blessed to have lots of people that have Madsen terrain and a uh wonderful store that has lots of terrain to use. Even though Kyle Bodie still likes to use the aquarium stuff, it's bad terrain, Kyle. Stop it. So I didn't. No, I, to- just, I, I just used a Nintendo DS the other day as terrain. So, what? Wow. Uh, was it a dreamer game at least? No, it's a poor guy game who doesn't uh, own terrain but owns a lot of systems. Well, I was just hoping that it could be like thematic if it was dreamer. Yeah, that'd be cool. Anyways, yes, everyone wrote down their crew. Everyone was really, really nice and uh, had to punch in a bunch of numbers as fast as I can between rounds. Um, I screwed up on Bag of Tools. That was that was great because I have to fudge with the standings a little bit. I have to fudge with the pairings. Otherwise, I keep getting put against people I've played because, you know, ties and whatnot. And then I accidentally put two people together that had played the previous round, and then I had already gotten too far in Bag of Tools, so I actually had to start a brand new tournament on the website. Uh, that was a good job, Doug. Yeah, that that sounds rough. Yeah. Well, okay, why don't we get into the actual games and what we learned so you guys can talk. What do you say? That sounds good. Yeah. Cool. 
Oh, thank God, I am recording. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that would have been great. (laughs) For a slight panic attack. Shit, did I hit the button? No, we're good. We we good. Okay, round one. Corner deployment. Strategy is reckoning. Schemes are harness the ley lines, take prisoner, search the ruins, outflank, and deliver a message. I, since I'm the TO and all, get to basically pick who played what. I mostly mix things up trying to get people that aren't in the same meta to play each other. And it ended up uh, me playing against Jesse from St. Cloud. Hi, Jesse, if you're listening to this. Uh, Dave, who'd you end up playing? Oh, wait, we know this. Yeah, uh, <laughs> a week or so before the tournament, uh, Kyle grudge matched me. So then, first round, it was Kyle and I. You want me to just go into my game or just have Eric do his? Okay. And well, you could also listen to Schemes and Stones if you want to find out how that game went. Ha ha! Yeah, it's, you know, really, I'm, I'm a pathetic person. I just assumed everyone listens to Schemes and Stones before they listen to me. Yeah, I figured it out first. Yeah, it came out first. Okay, well, Eric, who did you play before we get into? I played Kenny Lyle. Hi, Kenny, if you're listening. Uh, he was playing, uh, he had Yan Lo as uh, his master, which uh, I just learned about Yan Lo. He's a, he's a creepy old dude who hands out, uh, who hands out upgrades. I, I don't know if anybody can tell. I'm still quite new to the game. How um, new to the game are you? Uh, I started last year, uh, Dave introduced me last year in 2nd edition. time I played, I had Tony Ironsides. What? And, uh, yeah. <laughs> cool. Yeah, my first game, I was Tony Ironsides. And it was a blast. So, uh, so I stuck around, learned more. Uh, first crew, I adopted, uh, Toria's crew, uh, which I still, that's, that's basically my main. I'm outcast player now. I have uh, a Levy crew, and I still need to base my Hamlin crew, but I'm going to be playing him here real soon. I, I'm sorry you have to play Outcast. <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> oh, you, I'm enjoying you st- it. You started with the best master in the game. What gives? <laughs> uh, I, I, Outcasts, I, I think aren't so like spell and and crazy mechanics oriented so me learning the game i feel like outcast is is basically easy mode okay do you hear that brian easy mode (laughs) 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 or or, well well we could go back to basically outcasts are basic yes We'll, we'll say outcasts are basic are the pumpkin spice latte of Malifaux. I'll admit it. <laughs> I like that. I'll take that. <laughs> but uh, I am eyeing some other factions to jump to. Um, thankfully, uh, uh, Zip exists, and that'd be a nice little bridge to go over to uh, the Bayou. Yeah, we need like we need more Bayou players. Yeah, we're gonna get stuck in the Bayou. Okay, I guess we go for games. Uh, uh, yeah. Do you want to go first, Eric? Sure, why not? So my uh, I played against Kenny uh, Lyle. He was he's awesome, he's a nice dude. Uh, he was I think from out town as well. So kudos to him coming in to play the tournament. He had Yan Lo. Um, I learned that Yan Lo is a crazy like million year old dude who throws out upgrades to all of his people. Or no wait, does he get he gets people's? I don't know what he does. <laughs> he he I gets he, upgrades. That make him powerful. So he's That's right. Of a- so longer in the game, he gets more and more powerful. So you want to murder him as fast as you can. Uh huh. 
And then the other models in his keyword have their own special upgrades that they can hand out when they die, or in other situations when they're not dead, and then Yanlo can summon off of those, more or less off of those upgrades to bring those models back. Yep, and thankfully uh, Kyle uh, was very nice, and he told me all this before the match. (laughs) (laughs) Did it help? I tried to go after Yanlo, but he hid him behind a tree for quite a while. Ah, those damn trees. The damn trees. Anyway, so I don't remember that much about this match. Um, he he had a Soul Porter, Manos, Izamu, Chiaki, Ash, two Ashigarus, and a Komenu. Those right? Close enough. What did you bring? Uh, I brought Victoria Chambers, and of course you get that second Victoria with it as well. I bring Lazarus because Lazarus is my man. I love him. <laughs> He's awesome. Uh, he will probably be in almost every crew that I build. Just a big, unkillable robot. Uh, then there's Hans, which Hans, I thought, was going to be better this tournament, and he ended up being... He ended up dragging me down. I'm very disappointed in Hans. Oh. Brought in Student of Conflict, uh, Vanessa, and two Ronins. No upgrades. Okay. What else do you remember the, about the game besides uh, Yanlo getting st- uh, hidden behind a tree? Me trying to shoot at him and missing. Um, I did apparently score uh, with the strategy. I killed something. I, I did chase the Victorias, try to flank while some of my other crew went uh, down the center. I did chase one of his models down. I can't remember which one. It The name was vaguely, uh, vaguely Asian. Uh, so I chased That's... down one of his models. <laughs> um, killed pro- it. I would, I would guess the Ashigaro or the Kamainu. Maybe. Yeah. If, if you're chasing it down, it means it's running away, and he probably wants to throw Izamu into you, or Manos, and you he, had, he had a bigger dude following it, and uh, the bigger dude stomped my ass. Okay. But, okay, here, but here, I killed here, a small dude in front of the big dude, so if there's any context clues there. Was the small dude a little skeleton with a spear, or was the small dude a little robot dog thing? I believe it was the skeleton with a spear. Okay, you killed an Ashigaru. Okay. Um, so, uh, but that was round two, and I got the point for that. Uh, he proceeded to stomp, uh, my, proceeded to stomp me into the ground. Oof. It looks like you got, uh, another, uh, point for a scheme, at least. I did, uh, because I, because I had a few of my guys, uh, heading towards the center, I had a few of them on the, uh, on the center line, I was able to drop my scheme tokens to get harnessed the ley lines. Got to drop more scheme tokens, or either that or he killed all my people. I can't remember. Huh. Okay, well, do you know how many turns you got in there? Three, four, five? I want to say three. I want to say three. Okay. Like I said, I'm learning, so I got to ask a lot of questions. (laughs) Okay. Well, as a new player, what did you take away from this game? What did you learn? Well, I learned that he was afraid of going against my two Vicks coming right up into his face with towards one of his Ashigarus. The Victorias are kind of a scary group of women. Very, very scary ladies with swords. Yes. They, uh, otherwise, I like learned about his crew more than I learned anything else. And I think that's one of the things that I'm picking up most is to become a good Malifaux player, it's not just knowing your... It's not just knowing your crew well and knowing like how everybody else, every other crew in the game plays. And I think that's one of the things I've kind of picked up, not only from this one, but not, not only from round one, but from the whole tournament in general. Cool. So 
Uh, let's see. You took delivered message. You didn't get any points for that. It was just because you couldn't get close to Yanlo, or did you forget about it? Well, he was hiding behind a tree. Fair. All right. I mean, <laughs> I could I could get behind the tree. He had a, he had a big he had a big dude in front of in front of the tree as well. <laughs> okay. All right. So, uh, how, what would you do differently? Same setup. Um, is my dude, and he's a big robot Sorry. that's really hard to take down. Oh, Lazarus. Uh, yeah, to deliver a message, I should have walked Lazarus up to just just try to push through his people to get to Yanlo to deliver a message. I think. Okay. Because uh, I think I, Laz can take some hits. He can self heal. He can uh, he can if if needed. He has uh, he has the I forget which trigger it is for his bayonet, but he can uh, that pull ability uh, to be able to knock people out of the way. So try to you know utilize that in order to kind of crowd control people. Okay. Um, are you open to suggestions? Oh, very much. <laughs> okay. Just knowing what I know about Vix and Yanlo, and this is definitely not from a professional Malvo player's point of view here. I'm just what I know, and what I know might as well hand out a little bit of advice if I think it'll help in this sort of situation. Since it's corner deployment, and you're bringing the Vix, and he's bringing Yanlo, you're considerably faster than him. So I would do stuff to take advantage of that. Harness was a good option. Outflank, I think, would work better uh, because you can run Ronan out to the corners. And if he tries to bring something to take out one of your Ronan, you can you can pr- throw the Vix at him pretty quick. They can fly across the board relatively easy. And I, I think that was one of the things I was trying with that terrain. There was It was on the graveyard terrain, oh. uh, and there was a lot of parallel uh, mausoleums to run in between uh and so that's why people went center and i tried to go up to the side with the vix because i knew i could get a lot of movement uh that way and try to go around and that's where he uh stopped me with the uh, ashigaru and another big dude uh, izamu is i think his big his big thing. yeah yeah izamu. and that so I, I I I vaguely remember that was kind of my plan to kind of flank around to get get around him to get to Yanlo. Um, oh no, I I meant literally taking the outflank scheme. I know, I know, but I think oh, okay. I, I I know. I'm just saying like outflank as in an actual tactic to get around, but <laughs> I wasn't able to. <laughs> Fair. All right. Anything else you want to say? Yeah, Kyle was very nice. I'll say that. Nice dude. Okay. Dave, why don't you talk about uh, your game with Kyle from Dave's perspective? Okay, well, I did the thing that you should probably never do and take a master that you've never played in the, in, in this edition and just play it all day. So I was going to get a game in earlier in the month, couldn't get it, new kid. That makes it more difficult. Um, so I t- decided to take Zareda all day long. <laughs> I basically crowdsourced the list on the Schemes and Stones Discord as a good kind of all-arounder and just went, all right, I'm playing just this all day, not making any model changes. I'm just going to learn what these models do. So first thing I learned was don't let Kyle pick your side. (laughs) Did your deployment screw you? Oh, absolutely. It was corner deploy. The corner he put me in, there was a house that was basically half of the deployment. Then there was a large tree in the deployment. And then right in front of that was the river. So oh. I basically had, I had enough room for like 
a 50 mil to fit between the house and the tree. And that was about it. Ugh. You know what? You're going to hate this, Dave. Guess who put that board together? Uh, Kyle probably did. Yeah, it's it's Kyle's fault. Oh, <laughs> crap. <laughs> yeah. Hey, well, why don't you so, go over your, uh, your cruise, both yours and his? Yeah. So, the list I took basically all day. The only thing I moved around was the upgrade, which was Inhuman Reflexes. So, this one I took Zareda, First Mate, Juju, two Will-O-Wisps, Getrobacore, and a Hooded Rider, and that had Inhuman Reflexes on it. I chose Search the Ruins and Harness the Ley Lines because I kind of was thinking I could almost use Zareda to just have them drop markers for me on the center line once I engage them. Um, that, as it turned out, I didn't score any points for that, so that plan did not work at all. And then Kyle had Respertina, Snowstorm, Wendigo, Blessed December, Silent One with Magical Training, Mechanical Rider, and Cassandra. Uh, he took he took the same uh, strats and schemes I did, uh, only he actually scored on them. So, <laughs> I lost 6-3. to three. Uh, I did score everything for Search the Ruins, which was, I didn't think I was going to get, but due to the power of Zareda being able to just go, hey, obey and do all these things after everything is activated was pretty key here. So turn one for me, since Kyle put me in the bad place. It was mostly just getting out of, of deployment. The bad place. Yeah. Luckily, I had Juju, and I had the writer, and I had some models with flight, so I kind of get around the bad start, and then I could just use the writer to pull Zareda up a little bit, and it could just go through the, the river without problems. So the idea was to just head to the center and because all the terrain was kind of towards the center anyway, so just to get all my scheming right in the middle. My first problem was I went, hey, the first mate is really fast and has leap. I'm just going to shoot him off to a flank, which meant Kyle went towards the first mate and just took him down to low health uh, by basically daisy chaining uh, ice pillars to get to him. So I think middle of turn two, the first mate died, accomplishing nothing. Because then I got, for whatever reason, I got bloodthirsty and decided to go after Rasputina with the first mate, which didn't work because he just put pillars in front of me. And yeah, uh, so that was, and this is a theme through all three rounds was I shot the first mate off somewhere and rarely did it benefit me. Um, but that's part of learning the models, I think. Big things where the wisps got into position, so I could then obey through the the wisps while they were sitting in in dense terrain. So that wasn't too bad. I mean, they're in concealment, so then you know flipping negatives. But I did I did eventually get them back out into the open, so I could then obey without problems. Turn two, biggest things like turn two was mostly just trying to disrupt Kyle's movement and placement because I figured the markers were the most important thing for the ice pillars were the most important term to put down, but it turned out that wasn't the case either. So by turn two, I was focusing on Rasputina for no good reason. Um, and he was off doing uh, search and harness with Cassandra basically by herself, just shooting down one side. So I had to shoot, I had to send a hooded rider in a bokor that way to kind of intercept and try and take care of that. But by doing that, I did get to use a Bacor to have Cassandra drop a marker for me after she'd already gone to help score me for a search, which uh, Kyle thought was pretty clever to do because he thought I was just going to use 
I was just going to obey the writer to uh, just wail and Cassandra, but she has a bunch of tech to get away, so it was didn't seem like much of a point. I think we get to turn four-ish in the end, but basically I threw the first mate and Juju at Rasputina. The rest of his crew got to do basically whatever it wanted. And then I, after turn two, I realized I wasn't going to win on points. So I basically turned Juju into a scheme runner to go draw my, <laughs> uh, my, my, my search markers down, um, which, you know, being in concealment, being able to assault, uh, is it assault or ambush? Ambush. That's what it is. Ambush to then push three inches to the next piece of terrain was actually super helpful with a model that's not that fast and try to get as many markers down in like a turn and a half as I could. Uh, so that helped me score that. And then I met, I ended up killing something. I think it was a silent one. And I missed the transformation for a wisp into an adzi, which would have then given me an extra activation to put on a marker to ensure my harness point. So it would have been a little closer in the end. Yes. But yeah, so it was a really big learning curve just because I know Kyle's pr- been practiced with Rasputina and had a plan, and I went in going with a list I've never put on a table and went, let's see what happens. <laughs> but Zoraida's is a win button. Yeah, you automatically win. They just <laughs> they just concede. I will I will fully admit that Zoraida's really good, but uh, I think Dave's experience here at this tournament goes to show that uh, that's the player's skill and knowledge of the game that far surpasses what the models can do. No offense, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, absolutely, because I've done this a number of times. I did this with um, Faye at MuseonCon, and first round, I went up against somebody who basically brought a full counter against Faye, ignoring concealment, ignored uh, hard to wound, and just my crew melted. Boo. So, yeah, picking, picking wrong the wrong thing for the wrong matchup was something you have to kind of learn, I think, the hard way. Okay. Um, well, yeah. no, I get that. I get that. I asked Eric, Eric this. I might as well ask you. What did you learn from this match, and what would you do differently if you came to the table with the same thing? I would have actually went with the schemes and strategy instead of try to kill Rasputina. And oh, and I also found out after this tournament that I could have used, I could have obeyed the the uh, mechanical writer to burn all the the fate tokens to give me cards <laughs> with with uh, Zareda. Uh, I learned that afterwards. Otherwise, that would have been super fun, and Kyle would have hated it. <laughs> <laughs> Kyle would have hated it. I heard I about that. <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah, uh, I was more surprised that I could make a pivot like that with Zareda where I can go from blindly trying to kill a master that I didn't need to kill to actually going back to scheming all within a single turn where I went from no points to two points or yeah, two points relatively with relatively little effort. But if I'd planned better, I would have already been farther up, but yeah, it was just learning this crew is going to take some time. Okay, well, we'll get into my game. As I said before, I played Jesse from Minnesota. And uh, she declared Seamus, and I declared Ironsides because I'm a big Ironsides fanboy. In fact, I'm pretty... Did all of us bring just a single master the entire tournament? Uh, yes, I did. Yep. Okay. All right. So, uh, three games of Ironsides for me, because I know her very well, and it didn't... I have a bit of analysis paralysis when it comes to crew building, so the less I have to actually think about, the better. So 
Ironsides all the way. So my team, my crew was Ironsides, Mouse, Captain, Fitzsimmons, Envy, with Diesel Engine, a Steam Fetter, a Soulstone Miner, and the Steam Arachnid. Soulstone Miner having magical training, of course, because that's what everyone does, right? Jessie uh, brought a full counter to Reckoning list, which is quite impressive. She brought Seamus, Copycat Killer, Carrion Emissary, Grave Golem, Azura Rotten, Grave Digger, and Manos. I ended up taking Harness to the Ley Lines and Take Prisoner on Manos, not realizing that Manos has a leap. So uh, the second I found out he, do- he did that, I relegated myself to only scoring one point for that. She took Harness the Leylands as well, and Deliver a Message, because you always take Deliver a Message against Ironsides. It's just a free point. <laughs> it is. So, uh, I bubbled up like I normally did. I played on a, uh, like a winter terrain board, and um, turn one, it was obviously just a lot of moving up, uh, very slowly, getting focused out, getting as many tokens as I can in Ironsides. She shot the Emissary way up, so that he could put a... Um, Mindless Zombie on my half of the board turn one, so that Seamus could eat it and get a second shot off. Um, that ended up being not good. I mean, I'll say this now, like, all three of my matches were uh, basically, what does Ironsides do? And, oh, that's what she does? That's awful? For all of my opponents? Yeah, sounds about right. So, um... She teleported Seamus forward and shot Ironsides, who was in both the Captain's bubble and Fitzsimmons' bubble, and inside Envy's steam cloud, or the the sputtering exhaust, and ended up uh, hitting her for severe damage. And every every game I had is something severely memorable about it. Memorable about it. And this memorable thing is that Seamus's gun has a severe eight damage. And Ironsides took zero of those eight damage, because <laughs> she took two from the Captain, one from Fitzsimmons, uh, three from uh, Adrenaline Tokens, and then two more from a Soulstone. So, after that, she realized that uh, I might have teched against Shamus a little bit, and uh, played a lot more KG after that. Uh, turn two, she decided to not shoot Ironsides, which was probably a good idea. I ended up killing Mouse, and... Uh, the arachnid pretty easily. They don't. They don't have very many wounds on them. But uh, turn one, I had uh, no, not turn one. Turn two, I had hoovered up the uh, emissary into my crew and proceeded to just kind of tear into him quite a bit. Turn two, I got my point for take prisoner on Manos and a couple ski markers down for harness ley lines. She was starting to do harness as well. Uh, we were both very obviously playing harness from the very beginning. It wasn't really surprise, really much of a surprise for either of us, but we both scored the strategy on turn two. Turn three, I went after the rest of her crew. The emissary had died. Manos immediately just kind of effed off the second she realized that he was the prisoner target. And I uh, had my Soulstone Miner come up and Captain take off after the copycat killer and the Gravedigger because they were... Gravedigger was putting down more quartz markers for Seamus to shoot me with, and that's bad. So I had to get rid of those. And then on the other side, Ironsides took down the Grave Golem pretty quick and eventually moved on to killing Azura. So by the end of turn three, I had scored for Harness, scored Take Prisoner for Manos, just one on both of those. And then uh, got my two points for Reckoning because Azura's worth two, po- two points. Uh, she had delivered on Ironsides because it's just what you do. And uh, scored one Reckoning point for killing uh, Mouse and the Steam Arachnid. 
Um, it was a great list, very counter uh, reckoning, and I think if she knew more of what Ironsides did and how I tacked against shooting, she definitely would have played differently. And it uh, would have been a much closer game. It ended up being 4 2, um, which obviously went up to a 4 4 tie. The things I learned from this is that uh, I think the Grave Golem's probably a better target for Take Prisoner than uh, Manos is, because he don't got a leap. And, um, yeah, Fitzsimmons is really, really great for uh, destroying scheme markers, especially in certain terrains where you can see multiple ones. I'm sure, Jesse also learned to hate Fitzsimmons as much as uh, some other people that record podcasts with me, too. Alright, so that was my turn one, and then we had a lunch break. Everyone went to lunch. We had a... During that time, we also did the painting contest, and I run painting contests with... Uh, I, I give you a theme, and then you submit a model that sort of fits that theme, and then I select, select uh, first, second, third place for that, and you get points for it. So the theme was darkness. Yes, and all of my Vix crew is painted like anime girls, so it didn't fit into darkness at all. <laughs> I well, mean... Darkness is just part of oh, the... No. It, was, it was like Sailor Moon bright anime girls. And I think I dropped off... Uh, was it Aruguru or was it Zareda just to be funny? No, you did, you did Aruguru. Okay. But uh, surprisingly... Surprise, I don't want to say surprisingly enough. The Hungering Darkness uh, got first place with that. Um, after that, I believe it was a... I think second place was a um, Terratot. Teratot was either second place or third place. And then first place might have been the Dead Rider. I, had, I feel really terrible. I should have written these down. And I like the internet probably cares too much about who won a painting contest in a, you know, in a podcast where you can't see what they look like. I'm sure there are people out there who, <laughs> who do care. But at least I had the nice break so I could jam in everyone's, like stats, their crew, their schemes and strategies and all that stuff. And that was the only, like, nice break I got because then I had to do two rounds back-to-back after that. So, second round finally comes around and we get the new standings and I get to play Eric. Hey, Eric. Yes, you did. Hey. And who did you play, Dave? I played, uh, Greg in his Nakima list. Oh, yeah, that list. So, um, why don't I go over my game with Eric first? Could I interject every once in a while? Yeah, you're more than welcome to interject. This is a conversation <laughs> between you and me and Dave's in the corner creeping on us. As usual. Not, not very different from normal. It's tradition. So, uh, <laughs> let's go over the strategies and schemes. First up, wedge deployment. Hooray me. Plan explosives is the strategy. Schemes are Assassinate, Vendetta, Breakthrough, Power Ritual, and Claim Jump. I, of course, brought along Ironsides, because that's what I do. My crew was Ironsides, Mouse, the Captain, Cassandra, and a Steamer and Swarm with Diesel Engine, Fitzsimmons, and a Soulstone Miner with Magical Training, because that's what you do in Arcanists. What'd you bring, Eric? Victoria Chambers again, and my uh, my crew was Victoria Chambers, both of them. Uh, Hans, who once again didn't do anything. Uh, student of Conflict, uh, my boy Laz, uh, Vanessa Chambers, and three Ronins. Did you have any sort of planning? Did you know anything about Ironsides? Yes, actually. Uh, well, yes, I, of course. Uh, Ironsides, like I said earlier, was uh, 
uh, model I ever played in the game. I kind of understood what Ironsides did. I foolishly thought I could mess around with her uh, and survive. <laughs> did have a plan. I took Claim Jump, and I the reason I took uh, Claim Jump was because I had both <coughs> Laz and well, I, the reason I had both Laz and Vanessa on my uh, on my crew was because of Claim Jump. I thought I could sneak. Try, try to make you think that it was Vanessa that I had uh, for my claim jump target, Lee Lass. I don't think I did that very well. <laughs> nah, nope. <laughs> and then I had a, I had Vendetta. The one, typically, I feel like the one thing Hans is good at is Vendetta because of his range, because of Sealman friendly fire. He, he, uh, He's not bad at getting that, like, first ping of damage to get that first point vendetta, except for the fact that he missed every single time he tried to shoot your captain. Yeah, you also didn't... You Okay, I don't, don't want to make assumptions here, but I'm pretty certain you didn't know what the captain did. No, I didn't. Okay, so for those of you that don't know, a captain has Eye of the Storm, or... No, Eye of the Storm is his bonus action. Bulletproof? Well, it was in Bulletproof in second edition. I don't remember what it's called now. I'm, pull, I'm literally pulling up the app for this. Okay, but but like kind of to go back of what I said earlier, part of what makes a good Malifaux player, from what I've learned, is knowing what your opponent's crew does, is knowing what almost almost everything about every model, and that makes a really, really good Malifaux player. Um, so if I would have known that uh, Captain is basically uh, immune to bullets, <laughs> uh, then... That would have uh, that would have changed my uh, strategy on this whole thing. Yeah. Okay. It's middle of the storm, not eye of the storm, and that is basically armor for him and everyone within three inches of him. That's friendly uh, up to two. So he's basically running around with two armor against Hans, who has no melee attack. <laughs> so I'm pretty sure that'll be on the list of things you would do differently. So let's really? let's go over the. Okay, you picked um, claim jump and vendetta. And mm -hmm. I had picked Claim Jump and Assassinate. This will probably come out before my uh, recording with Craig comes out, but I said, if you have Iron Sides, you take Claim Jump. Claim Jump's super what you want to do when you're Iron Sides, and it's also really, really easy with a Soul Stone Mire, which is who I took it on, obviously. And that was, that was kind of what I was thinking with Laz, because, once again, hard-to-kill robot, well, not... <laughs> Technically not hard to kill. He doesn't have that ability, but he's difficult to take down. He yeah. could punch something away from you, so that way he can clear the space, clear the area a little bit. Um, and that's kind of what I was thinking with uh, with Laz. And then, if needed, I had Vanessa there, who does have some uh, team healing abilities. Mm -hmm. So I ended up since it, since it's wedge, uh, I line up as close to the point as I possibly can because I want to get into your stuff as much as possible. We're playing on the riverboard, the one that screwed Dave over so much the previous turn. Wedge would be great on that board. So, I just ran everything forward pretty much turn one, although I did surprise you with the uh, swarm. Yeah, yeah, you did. <laughs> like, I understood Vicks are pretty scary, heavy hitters. I didn't know exactly how good they were, but I figured I'm going to have to kill them anyways to win. So it's oh. that's why I took Assassinate, and I usually protect my model with the diesel engine more, but I saw an opening and decided to take it. I moved everyone up pretty forward, 
And then, uh, like, my last activation, I went with the Arachnid Swarm, and by this time you had put both Victorias up. Probably didn't look too close to you, but the Arachnids got some stupid movement tricks. And so, um, end of turn one, I push the Arachnid because of Diesel Engine, and then nimble the Arachnid because he's got nimble, and then moved and charged and uh, hit you for severe damage with a blast. So I did five damage to one Victoria, three damage to the other Victoria, and it was a good turn one for me. Uh, I also took a couple cheap shots at Vanessa because you put her close to the center. Yeah, and I, f- I figured she would take some damage. I figured. Uh, the, the, the shot on the Vix wasn't fun. <laughs> well, you know... That's, what, that's, where you got, that's where you got your first... Uh, was that turn one? So you didn't even score a point on, uh, for that. No, but I was first targeting... Blast, no. I was targeting your leader, and your leader was the one that took the blast damage, so she wasn't even at yeah. half. Yeah. <laughs> so turn two <laughs> comes up, and this time you're like, you are shooting... Oh, no, I killed I killed Ronan on turn one, didn't I? You did, because I had three of them, and only two of them was able to get to uh, get to your area. Yep. The other two, though, I just I let them go. They had bombs on them, and Ironside is not very good at plant explosives. She's just not. Like, my strategy with but, her but is to just... Is- it's just basically punch a hole in the center of your crew and then rush through and plant explosives where I can. And that's what I did. So I knew, like, you're going to get at least two down, maybe three or four. I'm not going to beat you on the strategy. I got to beat you on schemes. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, I mean, that's mostly where I got my points from this uh, this uh, round of the tournament is basically just dropping bombs in your backfield because Ronins have really good movement. They do. In fact, your whole crew is actually a decent counter to Ironsides because everyone has that push at the beginning of the turn. Yeah. And if she can't lock stuff down, she's, she's, she's hurting. <laughs> uh, they uh, basically most, yeah, all, all, all of uh, Vic's crew and all of the mercenaries have battle tempo. So they basically have movement at the very beginning of the term. That means I can basically just freely disengage on some Dual or not duels uh, on some engagements, uh, so that was that's pretty nice to have. Yep. Um, I think turn two is when I did finally get that claim jump point as well because I had Laz and his uh, his nice and mighty uh, pull being able to put uh, punch people away from me. Actually, you d- you didn't. Did I not? No, you got it on turn three. So turn two did, was it turn three? Yeah, I, I, I definitely remember turn turn two and three because of, because of the great gloriousness that happened in turn three. I knew that was it was turn two three that came when that. when Vic turned into Neo from the Matrix. Yes. So turn <laughs> two, I use uh, you spent both activations of your Vix trying to kill the Arachnid Swarm. Which yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was my intention is like to have it live as long as possible to kind of waste your activations on those guys, and then I think it might have been Cassandra that ended up killing one Vic and putting enough damage on the other Vic to get me the assassinate point, something uh-huh. like that. I know she also scored me my um point for uh plant as well. Uh, turn two, I killed Vanessa. It was Captain versus Vanessa. That's not a good matchup for her. Um, Lazarus tried to hurt Captain a decent amount. Didn't do terribly well. You you whiffed on a couple of the uh, the push attacks, I think. Yep, and uh, and I realized I think I may have Nessa's bonus action where she could just 
the top three cards in any order. I think I forgot to do that, and that oh. could have helped me out a bit. <laughs> oh, no. I had Ironsides and Mouse and Captain and Fitzsimmons all in that little scrum there, so you weren't going to be scoring Claim Jump. Yeah. And then the end of that turn, I popped Angry, up. Yeah, I got that. Yeah. End of that turn, I popped up the Soulstone Miner, and since he can basically show up wherever he wants, I'd put him in the one spot that happened to be within two inches of the center of the board and three inches away from one of your models, and easy peasy mm-hmm. one point for me. And then the start of the next turn, I just hit him again because that's a guaranteed point at the end of the game. Then, yeah. Um, yep. Turn turn three, you had. Planted all of your explosives. I think I put one down for Tony, and then I proceeded to just shove all of my models at Victoria, trying to kill her. Yeah, I but say- I made sure <laughs> I made sure to put uh, the non-leader Victoria in the way. <laughs> oh, she had, she had died turn two. I'm I'm pretty sure. Did sure. She, was that when she died? Like yeah. I said, I don't remember stuff that well. <laughs> Well, I put about eight attacks into you, and my hand was not that great. So you just you just won it all on positive flips. And yeah, and yeah, the the Victoria basically gets positive flips when the other Victoria. Uh, so so it's like, all right, cool. That's gonna at least help me a little bit, and it helped me a lot more than a little bit. Yeah, um, and it ended up being like we ended up ending turn three, and there was no point in starting turn four. So my last activation on turn three was the captain was currently engaging Lazarus and keeping him from getting his claim jump point. And I was like, you know what? I'm up on points. Might as well just go for the Hail Mary and try to get my second assassinate point, even though he's going to score claim jump. And that also failed. So Vic ended up living through all of that. Uh, I only got one point for assassinate and you got your claim jump point. So uh, that ended up being like 5-3. Oh, no, I didn't bury the uh, Soulstone Miner on turn three, because he was sticking around to get me my second point for claim jump. But, um, yeah, I had kind of, I brought the captain to tech into shooting. I usually bring the captain for outcast, especially Vix. I mean, Vix primarily are known for stabby, stabbiness, but all of them have guns. So I thought it was wise to bring captain. What I learned about the game is that the Victor, the mercenary crew is, uh, got some ridiculous movement that uh, it's very difficult for me to pin down, and it wasn't for the fact that I managed to surprise you and put some hurt on your Vex to begin with. Uh, they would have definitely gotten around me and got to pick who they killed. What What did you learn, Eric? Uh, I learned trudging through water sucks. Um, also, I uh, I learned that Victoria, one Victoria left is pretty beefy. I shouldn't be too afraid to lose like one of them. If I have the other, because the other one just gets us better. Yep. Advice I can give. Um, obviously, don't take Vendetta on the captain with Hans. Yes. <laughs> um, in my crew, how much is Hans? Hans is Seven. six, I believe. Okay. Um, Fitzsimmons or even the Arachnid Swarm? Uh, neither of those are like terribly great because the Arachnid Swarm has the engine on him, so he you're, he's constantly concealed. Oh wait, you don't care about concealing. Yeah, no, I, yeah, Hans can see shit. Yeah, the Arachnid Swarm right. because I think most Arcanists use Arachnid Swarms to just go in there and do as much damage before they die. I don't think very many of us are trying to keep them alive very much. I should have, I should have uh, went with that, and not, like I said, 
and I think I think overall thing I learned know what I'm going against as opposed to just knowing what I have. I think the other thing is um, the two Ronin that were scoring on turn two and three. You pushed them really far into my backfield. And at that point, since you had lost Vanessa and you had lost a Vic, I would have turned them around. I would have dumped the bombs where they were and then turned them around and start taking shots on my crew or something. Yeah, that, that would have been that would have been wise. I mean, you were also kind of playing for the full five turns, whereas I knew, I knew that wasn't going to happen. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, that's that's our game. Dave, what about you? Um, my game was against Greg with his Nakima crew. I'm probably not talking to the mic, am I? There we go. Over lunch, I'd kind of heard some rumblings about this super alpha Nakima crew. So then when I went up against Greg, I'm like, I'm guessing it's you. Uh, <laughs> because he took Nakima, the Blood Hunter, two, he hired two mature Nephilim, Hayridin, and two young Nephilim. That was the whole crew. I had the same list as before. Zareda, Bad Juju, First Mate, Hooded Rider, Two Wisps, and the Bokor. Hooded Rider still had, in, had Inhuman Reflexes on it for this game. I, looking at the pool, for some reason, decided that Vendetta uh, was my choice, because I figured he was going to throw all of his models directly at me. So I knew damage was going to fly around, and I'd be kind of be kind of easy to ping enough damage off to score Vendetta, which we can get back to that later because I pl- I tried to play Vendetta like it was uh, second edition Vendetta this game and not third. So I thought I had to do first damage with my Bokor on this young Nephilim, uh, which that's not the case, which I didn't know until after this tournament because I misread the card entirely. Um, so turn one was Wish Deploy. It was playing on the bar top table, and luckily, I got the side with the actual bar uh, in my deployment. So I just put Zareta behind there, and she stood there the entire game. Didn't move once. And then I put Juju in front because I chose Juju for my claim jump target because he survived very well getting beat up in the first game, and I thought he would have been a solid choice for that. What I didn't know was how Alpha Strike this list was. <laughs> So he basically, he won as the attacker. So he put all of his models but Nakima in one, in one side, and then just Nakima was his split. So I had him deploy everything else but Nakima, then me, and then he just put Nakima, you know, where she needed to go to get to me as fast as possible. He took Power Ritual and Claim Junk on the second Nephilim. I chose Claim or Vendetta on the first one. Turns out the first one uh, was put into the corner to drop the first power ritual marker and then just hung out on in the backfield the whole game until like the last turn we played. So it was really hard for me to get up there to hit that young Nephilim to, to score off of. Uh, but yeah, turn one, he did fly with me with a mature and with Herodin to get them basically to the center line and then walked or charged that mature into Juju and then walked with a mature Nephilim fly with me with Herodin to get Herodin up front for that uh, black blood aura for healing. And then I think also moving in charged or walked, I forget one or two. And then the was fast behind them. So it was basically his whole crew in my face, turn one 
And with Zareda, I'm just obeying anything and everything. Luckily, I had a good hand, so I could uh, burn stones with, so I can ensorcel and all that. I think by the end of turn one, one of the matures were dead. Juju and Hooded Rider were near death. One mature was almost dead, and Harridan was almost dead. So turn one, or turn two, I think I won initiative on that. So then I activated the Bokor and flipped well for healing and healed up Juju back up to over half and was doing pretty well. And then he wailed on Juju for a little bit. And then I activated Zareda to obey the Bokor again and healed up the Rider almost a full. So the Rider was almost a full with now four, three or four tokens. Um, it was pretty much good the rest of the game. He was just surprised how much healing I got off with basically four heal ac- actions and flipping, I think, moderate and severes every time. So by then, that turn, Harrodin died. I think one of the matures were left. Nakima had kind of gone off to go after softer targets. First mate, again, I threw first mate up front as fast as possible to, get, to try and drop off its bomb marker. I put bombs on the wisps, so the wisps flew off to go drop markers. And I think Juju had a marker. I think by end of turn three or early, or end of turn two, early turn three, Juju had died. Uh, hadn't left deployment, so I lost all my claim jump points there. And he was slowly chipping away at my bomb holders. So I, scored, I ended up scoring two on strategy and scored both for Vendetta. But after I reread the card and rereading the rules, I don't think I possibly said I scored both points on the last turn or possibly got the first point turn three and then turn four, I killed the young Nephilim finally. But yeah, again, I threw first mate up. Young Nephilim actually hit pretty hard and with enough black blood procking back and forth between the young Nephilim and the blood hunter uh, ended up finishing off the first mate after he dropped off his bomb. Uh, if I were to do this again, I would have had the first mate. Yeah, I probably would have actually had the first mate do, I think, was breakthrough in the pool? Yes. Uh, yeah, I probably would have had him just run across, drop off a bomb, and just do breakthrough in the back. Because after he alphaed all of his models across the board, his backline was completely empty. So I could have just casually dropped markers and had a, had a fun day and scored all my points that way. And... I don't know. I probably shouldn't have taken Vendetta because my only target was the Bokor to be doing anything because everything else was more expensive than like the young Nephilim. And I don't think I could use the, the blood hunter as a target. So yeah, if I do it again, wouldn't have taken Vendetta at all. I probably shouldn't have taken Vendetta in the next round either. Um, cause I re- I read it completely wrong, but yeah, uh, Juju survived a hell of a alpha strike for as long as it could but ultimately died and scored me nothing. So, yeah. Uh, my one suggestion for you, yeah, you, you definitely thought about it, right? You just ran around him. Because Zoraida, Zoraida can bring a lot more mobile stuff. Admittedly, you don't necessarily know what crew he's bringing, but um, yeah, obviously Nakima's pretty in-your-face attacky, and he might have split up the mature Nephilims to go after your stuff. But in that case, you had the writer and bad juju to kind of uh, take them on and keep your scheme runners safe. Actually, 
Vendetta's not that bad, because you could have taken Vendetta on a Mature with Juju. Aren't they the same cost? No, Juju's 9, the Mature are 10. Oh, yeah. That probably would have been the better call, because I was wailing on them the entire time with this Juju. I mean, that's it's a, that's a point difference. No, you got you got both points for Vendetta, so... I think Te- I did technically, it right. Technically, yeah. you would have done worse. Never mind. <laughs> yeah. Bad suggestion. Um, so, turn three, I got paired up against Greg, who just tied Dave. Eric, who did you play? I played uh, Jesse Clark. Oh, yeah. The, the, yes, the nice lady I played round one. Uh, Dave, yeah, yeah. Dave, who'd you end up playing round three? Um, I ended up playing... Where did he go? <laughs> cough, Tony um, McDowell, cough. Yeah, it was Tony. Uh, and I, I played him in the, in the previous tournament with uh, against Molly as well. Okay, well, round three was flank deployment and turf war. Take prisoner, dig their graves, hold up their forces, outflank, and vendetta are the schemes. Dave, why don't you go ahead and go with your turn three? Okay. Um, yeah, so the previous tournament I played Tony. I think he brought almost the same list. So it was Turf War. He brought Molly, Necrotic Machine, Archie, Dead Rider, a Valedictorian, Forgotten Marshal, and two Kruligans. So I took Vendetta with Bacor against the Marshal and hold up their forces. I didn't score either of my schemes. Ah. Because I misread both of the schemes. And yeah. Did you, do the, I, did you do the wrong thing with Vendetta again, where you thought you just had to hit him first? Yep, I sure did. So I, w- I waited to attack the Forgotten Marshal until far too late. He'd already summoned, like, two or three Rabble Rousers and just really kind of threw a wrench into anything I was trying to get done. He took Outflank and Hold Up Their Forces, which I think he took Outflank last time we played. So his, his play was kind of just throw a Dead Rider down the flank, and by the time you can get to it, it's probably got enough tokens that you'd have to throw something pretty heavy at it to take it off that point. Jesus. Um, did you did you read his read out his crew? Holy dang. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was, was kind of rough. Archie, Dead Rider, and Valedictorian in the same crew. <laughs> yeah. It was pretty beefy. Um, he threw... Actually, Valedictorian... I ended up obeying and then throwing back into Molly. I, yeah, I obeyed and, and sorceled. So I got two attacks off onto Molly. Did some damage, but I probably should have charged uh, Valedictorian at the Forgotten Marshal, but I misread Vendetta. And then, yeah, Archie, Archie took the other, other flank with a Kruligan as a backup. Uh, one Kruligan stayed in their deployment to keep that marker safe in case I flipped it, killing whatever in, on that quadrant. So I did... The same thing I did with first mate in the other two games. I threw him up without any support towards Archie, <laughs> and it didn't go well. What I should have done was I should have went, hey, you have that corner for outflank with the Pale Rider or Dead Rider, and just went to the other corner to try and deny uh, outflank, uh, which then would have then helped me score up, hold their forces, I think. There's still to hold, hold their forces I misread. And just end up not being able to do it. Yeah, uh, you have a lot of. Well, I mean, he brought a lot of expensive stuff, but uh, n- nothing that's going to hold, actually score hold the force is going to live if it's right. near next to the things it can score off. 
Yeah. So it was kind of rough because I was having to fend off from Valedictorian uh, and the Rebel Rousers. And Necrotic Machine is surprisingly very durable. Like it took over, it took at least the Hooded Rider activation. And I think I had to actually obey the Rider to finish off the Necrotic Machine. Holy crap. Because I think it has hard to kill. Oh, that and like and, and like armor one, armor two, armor two. So yeah, it was not fun to put down. So yeah, uh, I, I basically just shouldn't have gone at Molly. I should have just let them have the center and go off, uh, and then basically rotated the board ninety degrees. So I took the t- the mine and then the one directly uh, enemy rather than trying to hold my two where I started because it was what what was the deployment? Was it Flank. Flank? It was flank, yeah. Yeah, so instead of holding that corner and the one next to me, I should have just went and the other way and just chased down Archie, killed him with Juju or whatever, and then just taken over that way and kind of went around. Oh, yeah, and the, the last two games, I didn't summon the Voodoo Doll at all. Uh, I, compl- I completely forgot, and everyone... And uh, the Molly crew especially stayed too far away for Juju, or not Juju, but um, the Voodoo Doll to attach any upgrades anyways. Boom. But I could have been using it, yeah, but I could have been using it on the Bokor to then do, have it build up glowy tokens to then obey with Bokor much easier. Because then if you have a glowy token, you can specify your suit. But yeah, I completely forgot about the Voodoo Doll because I was so, like, bloodthirsty for some reason and just didn't even think of it. But yeah, if I did it again, that would have made sure I had the Voodoo Doll out attaching the upgrades, especially on all those mature Nephilim would have done a lot to help yeah. with that. So the more, you know, the more, you know, da, 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 da. so I've never done terribly well against the Molly crew. So I'm not sure what my advice is going to be useful. I will say that, however, that you're correct. The, um, the Karate machine is hard to kill, but the Karate machine is also not insignificant. So actually, I think it makes a very good take prisoner target. Oh yeah, it, it was hidden most of the game, so it was hard to get to until late. But yeah, if if I had that, that would have been smart. Is Zoraida good at dig? I think Zoraida might be good at dig. Um, can be just because you can just have say, hey, this model's already activated. Drop a marker here, and then have my beaters go in and kill something. Yep, fair. I think you you know exactly what you need to do. To at least to have a better time uh, next time around. Um, yeah, I just don't know. I, I just don't know how to pick apart a Molly crew. I, uh, I I've been told it's you can just um, like focus attack because if you do the same attack within line of sight of her, you take two damage. So, yeah, I don't think that's like, just hitting with higher quality helps. Anything with like armor is not going to care too much about that because it's it's not irreducible damage. But of course, you could just use blocking models in two. I would, I would just not care about the whole taking damage to take the it actions quickly. It's just she has a lot of very good beaters that can operate on their own. And I think you just need to kill them as fast as possible. That's that's my guess. Um, how did Ryder versus Ryder go? They never actually fought. I sent Ryder up the center, and Pale Ryder <laughs> just sat in the corner of the whole game. Dead Ryder, and I was just like, that's, yeah, Dead Rider, and that's that's fine. If you want to spend your Alin model on a corner, that's fine. I should have just let him do that and then went to the opposite corner. But that's, you know, something to learn and remember. Um, I did end up killing the Valedictorian pretty quickly. 
Nice. Um, Cause he kind of threw her in there at, at Juju and I just got to do, you know, the usual four attacks. And just kinda, <laughs> the like, usual. <laughs> <laughs> what was it? Oh yeah. Uh, one thing was I need to learn how to use the Will-O-Wisps better because they, they don't have an attack. So they don't really engage anything. And all they do is hand out status effects. So they didn't really do much besides just move around and just be kind of like little arc nodes for me to obey through. But I think if I learn how to make them better, because they do have lures, so I could have lured Archie in away from the turf war marker to help kill Archie faster and keep first mate safe. But yeah, I gotta learn how to use them better. Okay, Eric, tell me about your game. Tell us about your game. Okay, so first off, I went against uh, Jesse Clark. Um, and shout out to her cause she, uh, she's very nice. She actually explained to me what Jackdaw's crew does, which she had, she had Jackdaw, Lady, uh, Ligaya, Ligia, Ligaya, drowned, two drowns, two guilties, uh, a dead outlaw and two hangs. Uh, and she actually explained basically Jackdaw has low cost models that, uh, if, Free upgrades, which really they're downgrades, uh, to your models. Yeah, and uh, they they play kind of funky, which is uh, pretty cool. It was it was actually pretty cool to go against that crew. It was a lot of fun. What was um, your kinda, crew? My crew was uh, Victoria, uh, both of them. Uh, three Ronins, Lazarus, Taylor, and Hans. And I gave Hans, oh, what was it? Servant of Dark Powers upgrade. Okay. Because I wanted that. I wanted that movement right off the bat so I could focus and shoot maybe turn one. Did that work out that way? No, it didn't. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It did not. And uh, the schemes that I had were uh, hold up their forces, which I'm going to be honest, I missed. That was a big misread by me because with uh, her crew being very low cost models, I didn't have a target or I didn't have anybody I could hold up really. Yeah, and that was that was, and I only took hold up their forces because once again, Jesse Clark, being the awesome lady she is, I took Vendetta first, and halfway through turn one, I realized my mistake, and I explained it to her, and she let me trade it out, and then I misread again, and then I picked something stupid again, uh, and then I just sat what? with it the rest of the, t- the the rest of the game. What did you do wrong with Vendetta? Well, once again, everything was lower than uh, everything was uh, lower than. Than all my models except for Jack Daw, but he's a leader. I think hanged are relatively expensive. If I remember correctly, they. Oh, let me. Yeah, we're I don't gonna have look it in front of me. We're gonna look this. Let's up. look it up. Hanged or cost of right, eight. So your Ronan could have done it, or Hans. Yeah. Is, uh, is, is Hans is ruthless, isn't he? I'm pretty sure he is. So yeah, on, Hans, like Hans versus right a hanged here. actually would have been a really great. Well, then shoot. So it's really, it's really great she let you, uh, she let you change that, but you actually might have done Then I screwed myself up. This is what happens when, when you go to your first tournament. You, uh, you, you mess yourself up. Oh yeah, Hans is ruthless, sorry. You're, you're, you're your own worst. Well, no, hold on. Hans is actually a cost of eight. Oh, so, he is? Okay. So yeah, I guess I could have gone Ronin against something, but eh. that was, uh, pretty silly of me. But yeah, so I had, I had, so I ended up having hold up their forces and outflank, and Dave can attest to uh, my affinity for taking outflank and then going uh, to the corners turn one uh, to try to. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> who, who did you send to the I, corners? I'm, 
I sent my two. Oh, now, now this is this was probably my worst game. I'm gonna say because I forgot everything the previous game about if a Victoria dies, the other one gets stronger. <laughs> I sent two Victorias to the corner, turn one essentially, and I sent uh, Ronins to the other corner. I kept one Ronin around objective spot for uh, oh, what is it, turn four? Yeah, uh, and I kept the Victorias around that one for turn four as well. She fronted up on me with uh, with Jackdaw and a couple models. I can't remember exactly who. And she pinned down one of my Victorias. I turned two. Instead of sticking out in the corner, I turned tail and ran with my second Victoria all the way back to basically the... <laughs> literally ran all the way back to the deployment. Not gonna lie. Uh, for, I, didn't, I didn't think... I might as well just stick out in this corner, let her die, and... Hopefully she survives and gets the gets the scheme point because she ended up doing nothing the rest of the game. I I screwed up so much in round three; it's unreal. Um, the only thing I didn't screw up on is, uh, and this is I think this is uh, how lucky I got because I had basically Lazarus and Taylor hanging out in the middle. Uh, <laughs> really, they didn't have anything to do, and I don't know why I didn't do anything with them except for the fact that she started swarming with her low her low-cost models on Taylor and Laz, their forces. Uh, she was yeah. trying to get the scheme points on those. Somehow I got luck- I got really lucky with either just murdering them in like one hit with Taylor's hammer or uh, Taylor's oh, what is it that she got? She got uh, she has she got as the knock aside. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and that helped out Laz's on his bayonet. And it, uh, so I was able to knock people away from me as well as just straight up murder her models. So I actually, she actually did not score or hold up their forces, even though she, there was, I just got lucky. I got lucky and murdered everything that came my way and pushed them away. That's the only reason why she didn't score on that. But yeah. Uh, <laughs> and then she took Dig Their Graves, in which uh, when she murdered my first Vic, uh, she got the point on that. And then she was able to get the points on uh, two points for the strategy. The strat. Yeah. So that was uh, yeah, that was basically. Well, no, you said it was it was your worst game yet. Points wise, you only lost by one. So it was. I turned and ran my Victoria, and that was stupid. <laughs> I should have kept her in the stupid corner. <laughs> just just let her get beat on by Jack Dawn is uh in his cronies is what I should have done in order to in order to uh, at least get a point that way. I would have tied honestly if I uh, would have done that, but and that's that's where that's where the stupidity comes in. I uh, I just because of turning and running away. I'm not I'm not going to call it stupidity, dude. You are brand new to the game. <laughs> and you came to a tournament even though you had very very little experience, so that's very brave of you and I wish more people did that. So I will go with what did you learn and uh, what would you do differently? Um, I would have kept Victoria in the corner. I will tell you that. What did I learn? I learned about Jack Daw and his funky little crew that he's got with him. It was very interesting, and I really actually enjoyed playing against it because it was it was a little bit different than what I normally went against with uh, with uh, Tony Ironsides. At least like that's you know get in your face, punchy, punchy, do a lot of damage. Uh, I get that. Yamlo was was a little funky, but more or less kind of in that same realm. But Jackdaw was like, "Hey, let's get let's get weird, man!" And that was <laughs> that was that was kind of fun. I learned about Jackdaw and how cool he is. And 
the fact that he's, you know, he's he's an outcast, so maybe I'll check him out sometime. Uh, yeah, uh, Brian does a really good job playing Jackdaw, so... so. Check with him. Maybe I'll check it out. Um, I should have. I should have been a little. I should have been way more aggressive with the Vix. I learned that I'm too afraid to lose any models. I'm, I pull my punches, and really, I I need to not do that. I need to get in there, get in faces, and just kind of go to town. And I probably could have messed her uh, her crew up a little bit more if I would have done that. Okay. Well, don't have it. Don't really have a ton of advice. I think. Uh, obviously, hold up the forces is something you'll get better at uh, deciding whether or not you can do once you have a better idea of the costs of things. Same goes for Vendetta. Probably not the the best thing to take in that particular. Yeah, that, that was a bad idea. A bunch of little stuff. Although with a Jackdaw crew, I think take prisoner would have been a pretty good choice in this instance because you could probably find something that's relatively easy to pick on. It's not going to kill your stuff very quick. Yeah, that's that's true, especially with uh, with Mister Laz, who can just survive. Yeah, live, <laughs> eel himself. <laughs> okay, well, we'll go to my last round, and I went ahead and I played Greg, who just got done beating Dave. He brought his vicious Nakima crew, slightly different than the last one. It was Nakima, Bloodhunter, Hayridden, two mature Nephilim, and two young Nephilim. Getting that grow list going, but uh, relatively elite, I must say. I guess I didn't really notice that before. I rot. Big surprise. Tony Ironsides. Why Why go with anything else when you've got the best, right? Tony and Mouse and Amina made her first appearance this tournament, and I usually think of her as a crutch, so I'm genuinely surprised that it took me this long to bring her. Howard Langston, a Union Steamfitter, a Union Miner. A uh, gunsmith with magical training and a medical automaton. And for those of you, you know, savvy listeners that have already <laughs> picked up, I didn't bring a soulstone miner. I know. Blasphemy. But um, once you declared Nakima, I realized, like, I needed as many soulstones on the board to fight him back and scheme that I can. And with this particular scheme pool, the, um, the soulstone miner was maybe not the best choice for that. I mean, they could probably score take prisoner, um, at least the first point of it. But yeah, I decided that I didn't really need him this time, and it ended up going pretty well for me. Um, flank deployment means I'm pretty close to his crew, and he's pretty close to my crew, so things got real hot and heavy uh, right off the bat. Uh, Mouse flipped the one marker for me, because that's uh, Mouse is useful like that. And he did the exact same thing he did to Dave. He did uh, double fly with me on his mature Nephilim, and so after two activations, I had two mature Nephilim on me, as well as Hayridden. And then Nekima comes screaming in uh, on her activation as well. Uh, while that's going on, the two young Nephilim are in the back doing their uh, uh, marker flipping, along with the Blood Hunter, who's barfing up corpses to give the uh, Nephilim grow tokens. But anyone who's really familiar with Ironsides realizes that that's kind of exactly what I wanted in the first place. So, um, had Howard Langston put up his steam cloud and just kind of shredded the uh, mature Nephilim uh, relatively quick. In fact, too fast? This is definitely another case of if he knew Tony was a bit of a tar pit and hit you back and you were half, you had to attack her if you were engaged by her and all that stuff, he probably would have approached it differently. Uh, almost definitely would have approached it differently. But I had taken Dig Their Graves because I'm 
pretty good at that, especially with a steam fitter and a union miner, as well as Vendetta. And I went with Vendetta with the gunsmith who had my magical training. I don't know if I said that. Someone's got to bring magical training, and I really like it on the gunsmith because I get more use out of that counterspell and the um, uh, the shielded. So gunsmith on one of the mature Nephilim. And me being the idiot I am, like, I'm relatively smart with the rules. I know what's going on. I've read the book once or twice, and I'm a T.O., for gosh sakes. But when I'm playing, I get a little stupid. So I had accidentally kind of declared Vendetta turn one. Whoops. You can't score. You can't score anything on turn one. So uh, I showed my hand there, but um, at that point, the... uh, the Nephilim wasn't getting anywhere. So, um, turn one did a bunch of punching. Um, lots of things bled on my models. I had both the automaton and mouse there to heal people up. And so, not a lot of my stuff took any damage. And I made sure that at the start of the turn, Howard put his steam cloud up to start just like heriting things. And it's so nice when I mean, I can obey something to run into the steam, to charge through the steam cloud. So, they take one damage for the movement and one damage for the attack. And then whiff an attack on Ironside, so she gets to punch them back. I ended up killing the mature Nephilim in, like, the dumbest way possible. <laughs> so he got, took way too much damage, and I think he was on, like, four wounds left. And so if you don't have uh, Vendetta memorized, it says you can declare the first point. Once you end an activation of your model, that, you know, your designated model, where they have succeeded on an attack... And that posing model is at half wounds. Let me let me pull that up so I can read it better, because that's a terrible explanation. I apologize. At the end of a friendly model's activation, if it successfully dealt damage to the secretly chosen enemy model, and the enemy model is ha- has half its maximum health or less, but is still in play, you may reveal this scheme to gain one victory point. So, well, he was on four wounds, and I needed my gunsmith to hurt him but not kill him if i wanted both points so i had done damage to it i mean i succeed on an attack and i flip damage and lo and behold it's the red joker and it was a straight flip so there was no other no other cards involved so i laughed a whole ton gritted my teeth and cheated a weak card out of my hand over the red joker so that the mature nephilim would live <laughs> And the, then finally declared Vendetta on the target. It was it's it was great. And then uh, we, of course, only got to round three. And I chewed through all of his crew pretty quickly because uh, Tony's bubble never really got disrupted. And so it's it's kind of hurt hard to hit people when they're all on positive flips and got armor and stuff like that. I'm kind of surprised I didn't bring Fitzsimmons against. Yeah, I'm surprised I didn't bring him Fitzsimmons, but it ended up not needing to happen. The only model that died was the Union Miter, and that's after Nakima threw a corpse at it twice and then Blade Rush over the top of him to kill him. Uh, but he ended up ge- helping me get my second point for Dig Their Graves. Oh, yeah, that, there's that, too. So there wasn't a whole ton of scheme flip, I mean, uh, marker flipping on my end because, you know, only three rounds. So Mouse kept the one in my corner flipped and reflipped it after the miner died and then once i had chewed through the nephilim and hay ridden i had marched the uh steam fitter over to flip a second one so i'd get the second strategy point and then i was in a bit of a pickle because um the 
Like, all of his models were dead except for the Blood Hunter, a young Nephilim, and another young Nephilim that had turned into a mature, and he was currently trading punches with Ironsides. And it didn't quite have enough corpse markers down, surprisingly enough. So what I did was, um, my turn three, I'd marched the Steamfitter over and flipped that marker, and then I'd also... Uh, done her bonus action to place a scrap marker, I mean, a um, ski marker next to her. And so with my last activation, I had I had two corpses with ski markers next to them and nothing else to score off of. So I charge Howard into my own steam fitter, kill it, and then plant the steam fitter's own corpse next to the ski marker that I'd put down for my second point, which I thought was kind of clever. But that uh, game ended up going uh, 6-2 to him. He had scored uh, two points for the strategy because he didn't really have any time to contest the markers he had flipped over. He had taken outflank and digged their graves, um, neither of which he scored on. In fact, I don't think he even tried to go for outflank, probably because he understood pretty quickly what Ironsides was doing and then had to kill me, otherwise lose really hard. But uh, that was... A in fact, all of my games were really, really fun. I think because I know I didn't wasn't fighting for a podium, I could like chill because I can get like really involved into my games. And um, yeah, it was nice. I mean, it was also nice to win, but I was playing the people that were on the bottom of the tournament, so it's nothing I can I, really brag I about. Feel, I feel like in that position, you'd be able to uh, what is it? Uh, be able to try new things and and play around, experiment a little. Or I could just keep playing the same stuff I've been playing before. <laughs> yeah. I, I, come, I don't think... come in and slam dunk on some fools. <laughs> no, yeah, I don't think I don't think Doug has played anything but Ironsides since I met him, basically. I've played Karis twice. And mostly I've been only playing Ironsides because I got Craig to promise me that he would let me do the, uh, the Ironsides episode. And this was after I had bribed him with so much cocaine. <laughs> All of it. Just yeah. mountains. So uh, I'd just been playing Ironsides nonstop so that I actually knew what I was talking about for that recording. But now I can finally go out of my comfort zone and play Karis once or twice and then continue playing Ironsides. But Until no, I, I played a couple models that I didn't always play in each one of them. In fact, I don't play Howard a whole ton just because of the people I play often don't really care about that steam cloud. So um, that was the end of the tournament, three rounds, of course. And then uh, I quickly did all the math that I could to determine who had won it. As far as podium goes, Kyle Bodie obviously took first place. And then after that, it was Kenny Lyle with his Rezzers. And then finally after that, Brian Bailing for third place with his Outcast. So, um, yeah, both hosts of Schemes and Stones podiumed. And if you listened to their episode, you would already know that. But uh, they won. And as, as much as first, second, and third place are important, I mean, <laughs> we're here to recognize the Spoon Men. <laughs> I mean, me and Dave getting, uh, how many people were in the tournament? 11. Uh, 11? Uh, 10 and 11. Yeah. Hey, yeah, hey no. I'm, I'm, I'm calling for full collusion. I, I think they set it up. <laughs> <laughs> no collusion. No collusion. So, um, much to Dave's dismay, I went ahead and used what um, was listed on Bag of Tools as the spoon winner. 
because I was at that point really exhausted and didn't want to do the math to figure out who was actually Spoon. So Dave won a Spoon. Dave has a bit of a collection at this point. But after the fact, I, did the math. I have seen the collection. It's pretty impressive. Found, uh, found out it was Eric. So I was like, you know what? Let's bring both of them on here and talk about the tournament. So uh, I can talk a little bit more about the tournament before we go. Some other things I'd written down after uh, I talked in the intro. Uh, one, I... Hey, uh, Kyle, if you're listening to this, Kyle Bodie of Schemes and Stones, the name of the tournament is One Fallow Knight, not The Fallow Knight Tournament. Get it right? No, I, I, I kid, but uh, I like picking weird and interesting names for my tournaments and uh, try to involve either some kind of fun little theme or, in this case, a bit of lore from the universe that not everyone knows. And a fellow knight in Malifaux is when uh, they have a double new moon. If you didn't know, Malifaux has two moons. And if both of them are not out, then it is called a fellow knight. And I thought that was a neat little thing, especially since this was going to be my October tournament, but then uh, I realized Baby was going to come in October, so my October tournament became September. So uh, that was kind of my way of doing something spooky. Came up with an interesting rules question, and I think I was actually right right on this, but uh, it was sort of a judgment. It was in my own game, so we decided that we would go with Kyle, since Kyle's obviously another TO to decide on this, but it was whether or not Black Blood would, would proc if uh, the model went through Hazardous, because technically Black Blood says when an action resolves where this model took damage, you know, they spray Black Blood around and hurt things, and uh, the argument was whether or not the action of walking was what caused the damage or not. And we ended up deciding that it was uh, allowing Black Blood to um, go off, but um, doing a little bit of research, it looks like it might actually be the other way around where it wouldn't happen. But eh. I've made plenty of calls on the spot that ended up being wrong, so it's not like I'm actually blaming Kyle, but I thought everyone on the internet should know that, yeah, there's a ruling on a weird place that seems to be that uh, Hazardous is not going to make them pulse out the damage. I uh, I like doing custom trophies, and I uh, probably should have gotten an actual picture of them before I handed them out. But uh, the trophies this time around were um, <laughs> a, a wooden plaque that's circular, a um, lighthouse birdhouse, uh, both of these being from Michael's and made of wood. And so I, I filled in the hole and I chopped off the top of the lighthouse and sort of made like a pedestal type trophy looking thing. And then I had some death marshals that I was never, ever going to use or sell. So I ended up just putting them on top and then spray painting them uh, gold, silver, and bronze, which uh, I'm really proud of. Mm-hmm. Kyle, Brian, Kenny, if get a picture of those and send them to me because I'm pretty proud of those. I also do custom spoons. Technically, my daughter, my eight-year-old, does custom spoons. So uh, we'll buy a wooden spoon and she'll get to decorate it. And then if the person who wins the spoon wants it, they can take it. I'm not forcing anyone to take a trophy because, you know, some people don't necessarily like being in that spot. And that's totally okay. I do kind of a weird thing where I pick schemes and strategies either um, because they seem like fun and they're fun to go together. Uh, Kyle likes to pick schemes and strategies that don't go together, that don't pair well. So people are... uh, having a hard time figuring out what they're going to do. Previous tournament, I was I did stuff that you could bluff as much as possible with them. And this time around, I just took the pools from the past two tournaments and said, okay, what hasn't been present very much, and went that way around. 
I guess the only the other thing is that um, I know this is part of the um, faux tour, but even if it wasn't, I still allow Dead Man's Hand and uh, Second Masters or Third Masters, if you so choose. I don't know if they're broken or not, but if they are, I think it still needs to be something that comes up in tournaments. So we actually have evidence of saying, hey, these things are broken, look at them dominating these tournaments, you need to fix this. Because if it's actually a problem, it should be fixed, and I don't think banning them outright when Weird says they're okay is the right way to go about it. So that's me, done, off my pedestal. I had a good time, it was pretty tiring, but I'd still do it again. What about you guys? How was your overall experience? Uh, I had a wonderful time tournament. Like I said, better than any Yu-Gi-Oh tournament, <laughs> tournament I've ever been a part of. I had a great lunch. I had uh, Jimmy John's for lunch. I think a bunch of us did. I'm definitely coming to the next one, and I'm definitely you know going to take home the wooden spoon next time. <laughs> yeah, anyway, so you know, it's it's a lot. Maybe maybe I'll be better. I'm uh, one of these days. I will be an okay Malifaux player. <laughs> yeah, it's you, you, you got the right mentality. It just takes quite a bit of learning. It's a bit of a relatively steep learning curve, but also it sounds like you're getting more models, so you have more options to your crews as well. Yeah, and honest, and like you know, and the jokes aside, you know, I I, I got this attitude from playing Yu-Gi-Oh, from from <laughs> you know, uh, not knowing what I was doing to now I have like four really funky, weird, fun decks. You know, they're not competitive, but they're fun and. That's what I like to do, you know? And you're going to see me come to tournaments, and maybe you'll see me do something funky and weird someday. Someday. What about you, Dave? Someday. Uh, one of these days, I'm just going to, every time I get a win, I'm just going to be giving out those spoons. <laughs> I'm back out, of, uh, out of the bottom rungs. <laughs> That's my current goal this year, is just handing out these as, like, curses I have to give away to get back to the top of the podium. <laughs> So you're jacked off. Yeah. So no, but it, it, it's, it's always fun. Um, I did notice a couple people thought I was angry while playing. <laughs> That's just my I'm focusing face. Yeah, you got an intense game like face. I'm going to murder somebody. So if anybody thought I was yeah, mad that- at them, I was not. In casual play at Dave's house, when, when my wife's over, she's like, is Dave pissed at something? <laughs> how he looks when he plays <laughs> yeah i'm not i'm i'm worse because i can get lippy a bit when things go really really bad not the best player hey uh i have my faults but um i think that's a pretty good recap of our experience with the one fallow night tournament and thank you guys for being such great sports and giving us your knowledge of what you learned uh, thanks for coming on, both of you, Eric. Thank you for the first time. No, Come, no yeah, you're have me, a, have me again. Yep, you're an official scoundrel now. Uh, congratulations, the fine is in the mail, Dave. You you are you are now on a list, just so you're aware. <laughs> oh, not uh, another list. <laughs> uh, sorry, what was the question? No, thank you. That's just a thank you. Oh yeah, yeah. Thanks, no problem. It was fun. The it's question been, it's been is forever. thank you. No, no, no. no. Just, Thank you. D- Dave's a pretty reliable guy for steam-powered scoundrels, and I'm very glad yeah, that, I, you know, not all of his flesh has rotted away yet. Gotta throw a thank you at Dave for dragging me into this game. This is awesome. And thank yeah. you, listeners, for putting up with us and our weird Malifaux podcast format. Aw, sweet listeners. Uh, yeah. Okay, well, I think that's good. We can go <laughs> home. We can go home now, because... 
We're all sitting in a dugout somewhere in an abandoned baseball park. No, we don't. We don't have to go home, but we can't stay here. Well, thanks, guys, and uh, thanks everyone for listening again. And as I always say on this particular format, Victoria, what do I always say? Fun is always king. Fun is always king. Have a good night, folks. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye. Songs used in this production are Villainous Treachery and Five Card Shuffle. All music is created by Kevin McLeod and is licensed under Creative Commons.